Well, good morning. As some of you know, I just recently got two new knees, and we're still uh, breaking them in. So uh, that could be good news for you today. It may mean that my sermon is shorter than usual, but I also have a stool, and I might sit down and go longer than usual. It's up in the air. We'll have to see where that goes. Well, we want to welcome everybody, whether you're joining us at our Colonial Heights campus or out at our Midlothian campus, hey guys, or whether you're joining us by way of our live stream, we're just happy to have you here and have you a part of our services today. I want to get started this morning by asking you to turn in your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to start reading at verse 14. And while you're finding that, I'm going to tell you this passage is in the context of uh, King David leading the people to collect an offering to build the temple for God. And so we're now into a prayer of David in verse 14 that he's praying in front of God and in front of all the assembled people. And part of his prayer says this, beginning in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 14, he says, but who am I and who are my people? that we should be able to give as generously as this. For everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. For we are aliens and temporary residents in your presence, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this wealth we provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you're pleased with what is right. I have willingly given all these things with an upright heart. And now I have seen your people who are present here giving joyfully and prayerfully to you. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people. And confirm their hearts toward you. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, as King David reminds us there, all that we have, all that we ever hope to have, Lord, comes from you. Father, you are the great giver. You are the generous giver. And Father, our generosity pales at its best in comparison to you. But, Father, you have called us to be a generous people. You have called us, Lord, to be a faithful people. Lord, may we understand that in our hearts and in our desires. Father, speak today to us through your word. Share with us, Lord, what we need to know as we follow you in faithfulness and fullness. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Most of us in this room today and watching from other venues are aware of the State of the Union Address. That's the address that the President makes every year to the joint sessions of Congress. And in that, he kind of shares his understanding of what's happening in the country, what's going on, what's coming up. Some of you may have been in places where you're in a company where a president or a CEO came and did the State of the Company Address. The governor always does a State of the Commonwealth address. Well, every year a group of organizations, and it includes 
Christianity Today and the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability and several other Christian organizations, they put together a report and they call it the state of the plate, the state of the offering plate. What's going on in giving to churches? And they kind of look at what happened in that year and what may be coming up in the year ahead. But a few years ago, they actually took it a step further and they did a five-year survey of giving to churches. And they came back with their report that year of the state of the plate. And as they were sharing in that, some interesting statistics came out, some interesting thoughts came out of that about giving and about not giving. And so that's kind of where I want us to to launch from this morning is to think about that state of the plate. And some of the interesting statistics in that began with the fact that there are 247 million people in the United States who say they're Christians. 247 million. Now, out of that 247 million, 99 million of them say they go to church. And out of those 247 million and 99 million, 1.5 million say they tithe. Now, Landy reminded us last week, tithe's not a word we hear often outside of the church, but basically it means a tenth. A tithe is that we give at least a tenth of our income to the Lord. So if you take those statistics there, and you take the 247 million who say they're Christians and the 1.5 who say they're tithe, that means just slightly more than one-half of 1% of those people tithe. And if you take the 99 million who say they go to church and divide that into the 1.5 million who say they tithe, then you get 1.5% of folks who say they go to church tithe. But let's be realistic. Not everybody who says they're a Christian is. Not everybody who says they go to church do. But in the study, they determined through their survey of over a five-year period that out of those families who are actively attending church, 10 to 15% of them tithe. 10 to 15% of those who are actively attending church. Now you flip that around, that means 85 to 90% of those actively attending church do not tithe. And in the article as they were talking about it, they listed some reasons. Seven reasons why people don't tithe, why they don't give systematically and faithfully. Now, you remember last week, Randy set you up a little bit. He said, I'm only preaching one sermon on stewardship. (laughs) Then he knew everybody was going to be mad at me this week. He also said, I only got one point. He knew I had seven. So we're going to kind of go through those quickly, though, and look At the seven reasons they say that people said they don't give. And the first one is this. They don't believe. You see, as we as Christians enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we begin to experience the generosity of God and what God has given to us. And it's out of that experience that we then begin to develop generous giving habits. So if we don't believe, then it makes sense that we don't give generously to the church. You know, God is such a gracious, generous giver. 
We see it all around us. There are those things that he gives to all of us. It doesn't matter whether we're believers or not. He gives us these common graces, these common gifts. And one of the greatest of these is just the creation that's around us. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not a believer. You get to enjoy God's creation. You get to go down to the ocean and watch the waves as they break across the sands. You get to go into the mountains and breathe that fresh mountain air. Those are things you get to experience no matter whether you're a believer or not. But then there are those things that God gives that are unique for the believer, to the believer, that the believer experiences it. And one of the greatest of these is found in John 316. In that passage, God says to us that God loved the world in this way. What way? He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is a gift unique to those who will believe. It's available to everybody but it's only experienced by those who believe and trust in God and what He gave us in His Son, Jesus Christ, and what Christ did for us on the cross. It's a very specific, very unique gift. But then God is in the unique gift-giving business. I want you to think for a moment. Who is the most generous person you can think of on planet Earth? Who is the most generous person who's walking the earth today? And I think you would be hard-pressed to find anybody who exceeded Bill and Melinda Gates. They have given between 26 and $28 million to charity. Billion dollars, excuse me, got the wrong letter to start off. 26 to $28 billion to charity. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of charitable work. But you see, the difference between what the Gateses do in their generosity and what God does in His generosity is this. The gates give to those organizations and those charities which, which, with which they have an affinity, with which they have a friendship. In fact, to be honest, the biggest recipient of the donations of Bill and Melinda Gates is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, having said that, that's a great foundation. They do great work. They do amazing work. I'm not putting them down, but obviously that's an organization with which they're friendly, right? But what God does is different. God reached out with his generosity to his enemies. Look at what Paul reminds us of in Romans. He says, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's unable to do so. God points his generosity to his enemies. And who were those enemies? Who are those enemies? It's me and you and you and you out at Midlothian and you watching by way of our live stream. You see, Scripture tells us that while we were living in open rebellion against God, God still loved us so much that he pointed his generosity towards us. And that's what God wants you to hear today if you're not a believer. 
See, God's not concerned about your giving if you're not a believer. He's concerned today about your receiving. He wants you to receive the gift that he has for you. And that gift is his son, Jesus Christ, who would die on the cross and shed his blood so that your sins might be forgiven. Paul says, God showed his love in this way. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here this morning or you're listening uh, over in Midlothian or you're listening by our live stream, understand that that's what God wants you to hear today. That God loves you that much and he's reached out in his unique generosity and offered to you his son, Jesus Christ. So people don't give because they don't believe. People don't give because they don't know. Scripture tells us that when we become believers, we are new creations. And so I'm going to state the obvious here. If you knew it's something, you don't know how to do it yet, right? And so we don't know what we're supposed to do. And that's part of the responsibility of the church is to teach people what it is that God expects of them now as believers. And so as we look at that and as we understand that, Randy last week brought us to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And he reminded us of the fact that God calls us to tithe. Now, in this translation, the Christian Standard Bible, it, it understands that tithe is a word we don't hear a lot and we don't understand. So he just goes ahead and clears it up for us. He says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that it may be food in my house. So that may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I'll not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. He says, bring the tenth. So people don't give because they don't know. But again, we have that responsibility to tell them what it is. Now, I know there's some who say, well, you know, Old Testament was tithing. New Testament, we don't have to tithe anymore. And I think that's wrong. And I know there's those and there's scholars who will argue with me. But I want to say a couple of things. You know, part of that goes back to the fact that they say, well, that was the Mosaic covenant. And when Christ came, he's the new covenant. But I would say to you that the tithe precedes and postdates the, the Mosaic covenant. I would also say to you that the New Testament always calls us to do more, not less, than the Old Testament. And let's just be honest with you. I've been in the ministry 40 years now, and that's a long time. And I've talked to a whole lot of people about giving. And I've talked to a whole lot of people about this issue of tithing. And I'll be honest with you. Now, some may say differently, but I, in 40 years, have never had somebody come to me and argue with me that we don't have to tithe because they want to give more money. They always want to be able to say a little less. But see, one of the problems with that for me is to me that then says God's not as important to us after Jesus Christ came, New Testament, than he was before Jesus Christ came, Old Testament. The Old Testament says 10%, then the New Testament says that plus more. And that's what God gives us. And, you know, God's always given us guidelines and guardrails along our journey as Christians. And if we take the tithe away, what's our guideline? What's our guardrail? 
Is it how I feel? How much money I have on me today when the offering plate comes around? I'm going to tell you something. If all you're doing is putting the change and the few dollars out of your pocket into the offering plate every week, you're just cleaning out your pockets. You're not giving an offering to God. And so I believe the tithe is where God established that and sets that. And I don't think it ends when we cross from the pages of the Old Testament into the New Testament. Third reason people don't give is they're in transition. They're in the process of learning how to be Christians. You see, as we go on this journey of Christianity, as we're going along, it's kind of like our journeys in the physical world. We don't always go in a straight, true, and good line. We run into problems along the way sometimes, don't we? You know, we have to stop sometimes and ask for directions. We have to stop sometimes and and, uh, avoid a pothole or make a U-turn to get back on track. And so there's some of you here today, some of you listening in our other means, that would say, well, you know, I'm I'm working to get there. I'm, I'm trying to get there. And that's great. That's good. And that's what God desires. You're in transition. You're learning what it means to follow Christ. You're learning what it means to reorder and reprioritize everything that you have in your life. And that includes your possessions. Look at what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He says, whatever you do, here's the guideline for you. He says, whatever you do in word or in do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, understand this as you're learning this process, as you're in transition of becoming more and more Christ-like in what you're doing. He says, do it to honor and glorify God. And that helps you to begin that process of building up and becoming what you should be. So there's some of you here today who are in transition to the tithe. And I would say to you, just keep on moving. Keep on getting there. Keep on getting where God wants you to be. Another reason that people don't give is they are in a difficult financial season. And most of us have been there at some point in time, haven't we? We understand what it's like to be in a difficult financial season. Maybe you've lost your job entirely, or maybe you've been, hours have been cut back drastically. Maybe you've encountered you know, uh, medical bills that have just kind of left you reeling in all of that. And so you're caught up in this difficult financial season. And see, the problem in all of that is when we're in those difficult financial seasons, and, and I say this from my own experience in years past, when you're in those difficult financial seasons, it's easy to focus on what we don't have and what we've lost. But what God reminds us of in His Word is that we focus on what we do have. We focus on being good stewards of what we still have. Maybe you used to have a job where you made fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, and you lost that job. And the only thing you could find now you're making twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a year. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't expect you to tithe on the sixty thousand dollars you used to have, but He does expect you to be faithful on the twenty thousand dollars you do have. And see, it's easy to get focused on that that we've lost when we're in those financial situations. But God calls us to focus on what we do have. Look at this. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, for if the eagerness is there, 
If the desire of your heart is there to be faithful to God, he said the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So be faithful with what you do have, and God will honor it, and God will bless it. A fifth reason people gave for uh, not giving was they didn't know how. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This one kind of surprised me a little bit. But you've got to remember, I've been in church forever. And I do mean forever. I've been in church all of my life. Let me ask you a question. How many in here were on a cradle roll department at some time in your life? Anybody? I know a few of you are old enough to do it. Some churches actually still do it. Yeah, for those of you that don't know what that is, when I was born, the next day, I'm one day old, a group of ladies, a little trio of ladies from our church come over to the hospital room to visit my mama, but that's not really why they were there. They weren't visiting my mama. They were signing me up to be on the cradle roll of the church. So for 66 years, 11 months, and two days, I have been on the roll of some church. So I've been in church all of my life. And so it kind of surprised me to say people, for people to say, we didn't know how to give. But then I got to thinking about it, and it shouldn't surprise me, particularly in this day and time when there's so many different ways for us to give. If you were in earlier and looking at the pre-service slides, you see some of those. But we've got all sorts of ways for you to give. In fact, a little while ago, what happened? We did a song, and the ushers came down, and they passed the plate. You can give that way. You can put your money in the plate when it comes around during the worship service. If you need offering envelopes, if you want those, we can get them for you. Just call the church office and tell them you need some offering envelopes. Or you can go online to our church website, theheightsbaptist.church, and you'll see a spot on there, give online. You can click, and it'll take you right to where you need to go and give you all the directions you need to get signed up to give online that way. Or you can give using one of these things. Several ways to do that. You can go online and get our church app, and there's a place on there where you can give, and it'll take you right to it. But you know what? If you like texting, you can text your gift. All you need to do is text the Heights VA to 77977. 77977. Like I said, I've been in the ministry 40 years. Never thought I'd be saying something like that, standing up in church. But there are a lot of ways to give. And so we want you to know how. We want you to have the ability to faithfully give to the church. A sixth thing is people say they don't give because they don't know where the money goes. You like to know where your money's going, don't you? Over the last couple of weeks, both Randy and I have been calling upon you to be faithful stewards with your money. We want you to know that we as a church want to be faithful stewards of the money that you give to the church. And so we have all kinds of levels of accountability in there from, uh, you know, we have strategies in place and uh, guidelines in place for the ushers collecting the money, getting the money back to where it needs to go. We have guidelines in place for uh, counting and depositing the money. We have guidelines in place for paying the bills, writing the checks, doing all of that. We have an accountant who looks over our books and makes sure everything's proper and everything's done right. 
And then we do outside financial audits with Kiter Stevens accounting firm over in Richmond. And they come in and spend weeks going through our books and making sure we've done everything properly and we've handled the money correctly. And we have always gotten their highest marks every time we do that. So we take that very seriously. We spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort to make sure we hold ourselves accountable to the gifts that you give. But it's not just accountability. You actually want to know what is it used for. And so last week as you were leaving, we had these handouts that are our, <clears throat> excuse me, our budget proposal, our proposed operating budget for the coming year. It's what we'll be voting on in our church business meeting on Wednesday night. I hope you got one. If you didn't, go to the information desk out there today as you're leaving. And it kind of tells you where all of the money goes, where it's used from facilities to uh, the preaching ministry, to the music ministry, to the education ministry, to our children, our youth, all of those things that are in there. And so that's all there. You can look it up. You can learn more about it. For instance, you'll learn that 30% of our overall budget goes towards our education ministry, goes towards providing the opportunity for our children, our youth, and our adults to learn more about Jesus. Got any questions about this? At the end of the second service today, at the end of the 1045 service, I'm going to actually be in room C-150 over in the adult wing. If anybody comes by and has a question they'd like to ask about it, feel free to do that. If you're out at Midlothian, Buddy Ham is going to be available to answer your questions. But you can call up here to the church. You can come by church. You can email me here at church, and I'll answer any questions that you have. I'll share you know, in-depth what our budget looks like and break it down for you. You can see pretty much anything but individual salaries, and that's handled by our personnel committee, and we don't broadcast them out to everyone. But personnel committee does oversee that and account and address that. So that's the opportunity there. That's where uh, your money goes. That's what's happening when you give to the church here at the Heights. The final thing, reason people gave for why they don't give is they didn't see why. They didn't see why. It's one thing to know where your money goes. But what people really want to know, and particularly in this day and time and in this culture, is, is my gift making a difference? Is my gift doing something for eternity when I give it to the church? And that's a great question. Let me share some names with you. And some of you probably won't know any of these names. Some of you will know a few. Most of you won't know all of them. But here's the names. Larry Hoyle. Philip Ham, Shay Osborne. Kyle McDaniel. Buddy Ham, Jacob Atchley. Who are those men? Each one of those men is somebody who came through at least our youth ministry in this church, and some of them all the way from the baby nursery on through our church. And who are now pastoring churches all up and down the East Coast and even overseas on the mission field. These are men who came from our church and received the foundation of their religious experience in the Heights Baptist Church, or Colonial Heights Baptist, as it was known for most of them. But they received that here. They, they learned about Jesus in these 
walls of this church. They learned about Jesus from the teachers that we had brought up and to guide them and direct them. They learned about Jesus because people faithfully gave to establish our Sunday school and our life groups and our, our education ministry. And out of that, these men accepted a call from God to go out and to serve. And these men have been leading people to Jesus and sharing uh, with families and with individuals and communities all around the world. Because someone gave faithfully. Why do we give? Because it makes an impact like that. We were looking at this sheet a moment ago. And I can tell you, why do you give? You give so that we can provide literature for our children and our youth and our adults in our life groups so that they can learn more about Jesus. You provide so that we can supplement trips like youth camp and children's camp and make it affordable for kids to go and be a part of that. You give because we go to places like Nicaragua, Ukraine, and Haiti, and Zimbabwe, and Boston, and Winchester. Those are all places our mission teams have set foot on the ground to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it happened because you give and we're able to supplement that trip so that those people can go. Let me share a few more names with you. Lori, Jessica, Keith, Ruby, Brittany, Lisa, Regan, Sydney, Cadence, Bruce, Jessica, Jillian, Carter, Wayne, Daniel, Derek, Lisa, Betty Sue, Richard, and David. Do you know who those are? Those are people that have gone through the waters of baptism here on the Colonial Heights campus and out at the Midlothian campus. Some today, most within the last month. But ask those people if your giving makes a difference. It made a difference to them. It gave them the opportunity to have their lives changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And it happened only as a result of faithful giving. Every time you're in our buildings and you see somebody being baptized, you're seeing evidence of the why. Why do I give? So that people can be saved. Why do I give? So that lives can be transformed. You see, I have primarily today talked about why we don't give. But I want to finish up this morning with sharing with you why I do give. And this list is not original with me. I I found it somewhere else. But as soon as I read it that day, I said, this expresses the desire of my heart. And so I kind of claimed it as my own. and, And I'm hoping that you will claim it as your own as well. So why do I give? I give because I want God to be first in my life in every single area. And that includes my finances. I want God to have first place, foremost place in my life. And giving shows that. Secondly, I value the church Christ died for. 
Christ died for his bride, the church. And so I value that. I don't take it for granted. When I give to church, I give to God. And I know that and understand that. There's a lot of places I can give money, and I do, to different organizations, some Christian, some not. But when I give to church, I'm giving to God. Giving to church counters my own selfish tendencies. You see, we are a selfish bunch. We are a greedy bunch. And giving helps to counter that. Number five, God blesses me when I give to church. And I found that true throughout all of my years as a believer. And then here, there's no better investment on planet earth than the church. Because you see, everything else is temporary. But what we do as a church is eternal. What we do as a church is everlasting, and there's no better investment. So why do I share that? I share it in part to hope maybe some of those things will resonate with you. Remind you of why you give. Or if you're not giving, remind you of why you should. Our God is an awesome God. And His generosity is more than I can comprehend. But I do know this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, He calls me to be generous. And He calls you to the same thing. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I stand before you right now, overwhelmed with your gifts and your generosity. Overwhelmed, God, with how much you loved me, what you did for me when you sent your Son. I'm so thankful that God so loved me that you gave your son. I thank you for the opportunity to believe on him and to be saved. But I thank you, Father, also for the opportunity as a faithful believer to engage with other faithful believers and through your church to make a difference. Father, may we be faithful givers as we try to, Lord, become more like you every step of our journey. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.